You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are here on Monday afternoon for you guys Tuesday morning following a loss to the Cowboys, 49-17. to I think that this is probably the most interesting loss that we've covered so far this year, the most interesting game that we've covered this year, except for maybe Arizona. I think Arizona was probably... The most interesting because it really was as if a different team came out of the locker room at halftime. But in this instance, I saw a pretty extreme reaction to this game, and I'm a little surprised as to why. But we're going to get into it. That um, pretty surprised. I, w- I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. Well, I think you know the giant fan has to make a decision for themselves whether. Do they want to lose out and think about draft picks and think about, you know, whatever quarterback in the future they have? Or do they want to be, I want to win every single game going forward? If you're in that camp where, I, you know, just on the, you know, thumb to the air that most Giant fans are like, they've moved on from Daniel Jones. They want, you know, they want a quarterback. They want the number one pick. Then you can't bitch and you can't be throwing hysteric tantrums that, they're losing and they're bad. I mean, it's it's one or the other. Um, but I can certainly understand. I mean, that was on the surface really one of the most embarrassing performances I've ever seen from a football team. I understand why. I don't. I don't. I don't think it was. But we're going to get into all oh, this stuff. Okay. D- during during this Just Giants game review of the Giants and Cowboys, I will be drinking beer by Auto Dietetic. This is actually a collaboration with Brick City Brewing as well. Um, I thoroughly recommend that you check out both Brick City and Auto Dietetic Brewing if you are in the North Jersey, Southern New York, Eastern Pennsylvania area. Um, and I recommend that you check out Just Giants podcast and recommend it to your friends as well. We are also a small business that could use the word of mouth advertising. So I'm going to crack open this autodidact beer and we're going to get started. So, you know, to me, here's what's interesting. I saw an extreme reaction to this game. And what's wild is I don't know what was so different between this game and week one that this game was somehow worse. I don't I don't think that it was. I mean, statistically it wasn't. Score it wasn't. What are you I talking mean, about? This was the biggest this is the biggest differential of uh yards yards, yards in, only in, in what, seventy years, sixty years? That's that's almost a bigger indicator of how close a game is than the score. I mean You had the Giants 2023 starters lose 40 to nothing to this same team that scored 49 points and quite frankly an offense that was not fully engineered but aided by some really insane catches by CeeDee Lamb 
uh, there was a whole lot of not that bad a coverage early on in this game that just resulted in huge plays anyway. Um, I'm not sure what people expected from a game in which... Well, that's a whole other thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm talking about an extreme reaction to this game. If you don't come prepared to watch the game that you're going to watch, you're going to have an extreme reaction. So what I'm saying is, I don't understand. I don't get it. This game played out more or less the way I could have expected. And I don't know I don't know what anybody else expected. Same here, but I would say 95% of Giant fan is this is the Cowboys, we're the Giants. We should never lose that bad to anybody, especially my big. I, I completely understand. And the fact that they see... But enter reality. But they, but they see a guy who does not belong on an NFL field being a quarterback, and they've heard for two weeks, local boy, Jersey boy, guy from Jersey, plays at Liz's parents, Jersey, New York, blah, 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 all that bullshit, and they try to humanize someone, but the fact is, he, and, they, and they, they, they get a soft spot for him, but they don't accept the facts or the facts that... This team that's on the field now is not an NFL team hardly because of the quarterback and all the injuries and all the other stuff. But they're still going to have that reaction to it. I didn't I think that I didn't. Completely. I am far less embarrassed by this game than I am week one. And I don't know how anyone could possibly have the opposite opinion. I, I agree with you with that. But it this game was more embarrassing because there was a buildup that it was going to be lopsided and ridiculous and it was worse than people thought i didn't think it was worse than i thought we had two picks in this game oh come we on. Had, a, had a goal line stand they made a yeah that that makes it even worse <laughs> i mean we they scored in extreme garbage time extreme garbage time i mean the fact is they were i am super pissed and i'm gonna give a fart to um I had one touchdown in extreme garbage time just so you know who cares? Okay, so then it, it's it's your point. You're like, it's it, your point. They scored a touchdown in not garbage time is already better than week one. The game was oh, it doesn't matter. Comparing this to week one, that, that's not the point. The point is, we are in this situation now where we are. It's the same be- team. How could it not be relevant? They're playing the same team with a worse roster and. Holy shit, the results were worse? Are you kidding me? Of course they were worse. But at the yeah. end of the day, they actually did better in this game than they did than they didn't. They they are down two players from the defense that they had in week 1 with a Dory Jackson not playing. Do you feel any better about this game than Yes. What do you Okay, and the floor is yours. Why do you feel better about this game? Go. The floor is mine. So, why do I feel better about this game? I thought that <clears throat> I thought that the coverage early on in this game, I thought the first half of this game, the defense did not actually play as bad as the statistics and the yardage indicated. I thought that CeeDee Lamb had some wild one-handed catches and some extra yak on what was actually good coverage. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say that the defense was good. It was just better than it was week one, and they were worse. They are they are on paper a worse defense week 10 week 9 week 10 than we were week 1 based on trades based on injuries and they still performed better you want to look at the statistics fine I just rewatched the entire game I just rewatched the entire game I'm not really that if I'm going to be embarrassed about anything on the defense from the first half of the game which is I guess we're calling the not garbage time portion of the game it would be that they are not getting significant pressure but I also think that what Dallas did to combat that 
was to get the ball out quickly and just throw at whatever one-on-one coverage they had. And in a lot of instances, that was CeeDee Lamb and Tay Banks, which is going to be a difficult matchup for any rookie corner. And he was oftentimes not in bad coverage. He was just, CeeDee Lamb was just being really good. Most offenses also don't have someone who only gets 1,000 yards receiving per year as their number two wide receiver. Dallas has it. The big storyline was that Brandon Cooks wasn't getting involved going into this game. Brandon Cooks is very good. I made the argument that we should trade for him last season. I'm not going to sit here and be shocked that Darnay Holmes, who does not belong on this team, got spun around by Brandon Cooks six or seven times. I'm just not going to be shocked or upset by that. If if what well, I shocking, what, shocking is different than being just, you know being embarrassed or yes different. exactly. I'm not going to be embarrassed by a third string corner playing in place of a Dory Jackson and the results being bad. If everybody else wants to be upset by that and look at the stats and see that Brandon Cooks had 173 yards receiving, mostly against guys like Darnay Holmes and Cordell Flott and you know what I mean, like these and Nick McLeod. I'm not going to be upset by that. If that's what Dallas did to win the game, then good. That's what they're supposed to. That's what I would do if I were running that offense. Throw at the fourth string corner that's out there against all three of our receivers are better than their second best corner. It just it look, this is simple math. I told you going into this game it was going to be bad. The results were bad, and I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be upset because it played out pretty much the way I expected. I think in a lot of instances they came out on defense a little bit better than I expected. This is a good offense that Dallas has. They had a goal line stand in the first half, in the first quarter. They had a a goal line stand. Um, Raise your hand if you really thought we were going to stop them there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The exact same thing happened Saturday night in the Florida game where they couldn't – their defense was even worse than – the Giants was, and they had a goal line stand too. So I'm like, oh my God, this is this is history repeating itself. And I knew it was going to happen in both fronts. But go on. Cordell Flott had a pick in Cowboys red zone. was a was a legitimately good defensive play. A bad read by Dak Prescott, and they capitalized. Offense wasn't able to do anything with it. But I mean, I don't know what you would expect the offense to do. The the starting offense in Week One had something like eight sacks, right? I don't know why. I don't know. Like I don't know why we would expect the offense to perform any better now. It's definitely oh, going to perform anybody, worse. If, well, first of all, if anybody thought that the, the offense would be better than Week One, you need to get a lobotomy. And it doesn't get much worse than Week One. The offense. Yeah, really? Did this week. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, yeah. That's irrelevant, though. It's irrelevant comparing with if Week One or Week Ten is worse. You're talking. No, well, it's not irrelevant. It's it's historically bad. It's it's not totally irrelevant though. These are the same teams playing. I don't know what people expect. You're not going to get an improvement at this point. You have you're only going to get worse when your starting quarterback is out. It's the same team you played week 1. You have to imagine it's going to get worse than 40 to nothing. We're playing. Now think about what I just said. It's going to get worse than 40 to nothing. This was 49-17. It was kind of worse. By the way, just to remind you. I'm just saying it was only it was a worse performance but operating with the pieces they had in a they were pretty much playing imagine two boxers both of them have two hands going into a week one fight then the same two boxers go to fight but the week one loser only has one arm do you think it's going to be worse it looked to me it it looked to me honestly i'm being honest i thought that the week one game and this game looked pretty similar 
The offense yeah. was was more sluggish, but otherwise the defense looked to me to be relatively the same, maybe slightly better in some regards and slightly worse in other regards, but they were also playing different players. I mean, Dory Jackson played nothing, and I'll, I'll give you this. This is where I actually— We didn't have Leonard Williams. And we didn't have Leonard Williams, which is a big deal. But I'm going to say this. This is where I actually think that they performed worse, and it's a coaching thing. I think that when Trey Hawkins gave up the touchdown pass to Michael Gallup— which was good coverage and just a good one-on-one catch by Michael Gallup and a good throw by Dak Prescott, leading him back towards the inside, giving him the leverage, allowed him to work back towards Trey Hawkins and make the catch. They benched him. To me, that was stupid because the game is over and confidence is very important for corners, especially young corners. I think you let Trey Hawkins play at that point. They benched him, and then they put in guys like Darnay Holmes and Nick McLeod were getting a lot more snaps, and that's when you really started to see Brandon Cooks getting open. To me— Should we have the, a coaching conversation now, then? You can go ahead, but I, I'm just saying, to me, a lot of the stats that were— um, accumulated in this game happened against guys that I think are already mostly off the team. Darnay well, Holmes is mostly well, off the team. Nick well, McLeod is probably off the team. That's my big overriding theme is I want to start talking about parsing out what is just, well, that's a this year problem. I'm not concerned about it going forward and what are things we think about next year. And personnel is definitely part of that. Um, first of all, like, and now I'm going to kind of joke, but not really, but one of the farts I have is for Brian Dable for not punching out Mike McCarthy's lights at, at the end of the game when they had that little handshake because – I don't understand why they were just bombs away, bombs away, bombs away late third quarter when this score was completely out of control. Yeah, I mean, look. They were sending a message. They were sending a clear message, and I don't understand for what. I mean, I don't I don't really know. Yeah, this would be different if it were Daniel Jones-led offense. Um, yeah, that's why I don't understand what I, they I kind of I kind of agree with you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention in part of this, uh, I can't believe people were shocked that this game was what it was, is please remember that it was it was last year, correct? That we lost to Cooper Rush anyway. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know what everyone's shocked about. I don't, I don't know. Think it's, I don't think it's shock. It's, I don't think it's shock. I think it's just it's this bad. Look, I, I think it, it's a realization of it is this bad. Yeah. And but is yeah, it? That's, I mean, and if anybody thought they had a chance in this game, look, we we what were our predictions like? We thought it would be like 35-3 or 35-6. We thought they would call off the dogs when they did the absolute opposite. They were running up score before they called off the Correct. dogs. Correct. Yeah. So so but, they they did but you know what at their own at their own risk. I mean, they really risked not like well, that Prescott was getting smacked pass. around, but it it only takes one fallen over tackle for mm-hmm. for a quarterback to get seriously seriously hurt. Um you know, you have a you have a guy who got kicked out of a game mm-hmm. at a point uh, in this game, which also, I mean, to me, that's like, that's pretty wild. I don't, I don't know if this is like sour grapes talking, but it's almost bullshit to kick somebody out with like three minutes left in the game. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, not that he well, shouldn't yeah, be kicked out, but like, it's that's like, not like, I heard his, his purse, but that's about it. Yeah. You're not really doing anything. Like I, I think at a certain point, if there's an ejectable offense and I don't give a shit if it happened in this game, I don't care if it happens to the Cowboys or the Bengals or the Hawaii Rainbow mm-hmm. Warriors, right? Um, <laughs> but I do think that at a certain point, if there's only X amount of time left and you commit an ejectable penalty, you should not be able to play the first half of the next game. That, that's what they do in college. Yeah, it if doesn't you, make it doesn't make any sense if, to kick someone out with three minutes left. If you get like a targeting call or something in the second half, you're out that game in the first half of next week. They really, they give it to you. 
And that should be the same thing in this because yeah, but like, like telling you, I, I agree, and I, I think that targeting is a little extreme. It's college also, so like I understand that protecting but students, that, yeah. but right, right, but like this was a kick. This was an after the mm-hmm. whistle, a, a not a football play at all kind of situation. That's kind of like throwing a punch. I mean, in a certain yeah, regard, they consider, like they consider targeting part of the personal foul realm. It's an extreme case of personal foul, but yeah, it's under that same umbrella of of penalty. You know, unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know. I don't give a shit if Neville Gallimore plays next week or doesn't. He's not really a, a top five defensive tackle or defensive end anyway. That's that's sort of irrelevant, but it's just kind of a weird rule loophole. Let's let's talk about coaching. And uh, you kind of brought we you've alluded to two different. Well, things wait, wait, I, really wait, I, I want to know what your thoughts are on on Wink benching Trey Hawkins. I mean, do, do you think that that was stupid or is that just me? Because remember, Deontay Banks is out at this point with a concussion or something, or an ankle. This coaching staff is trying for some reason to, and it's like the little Rex Ryan thing from back a decade ago. It's like, we still want to prove points and try to win or try to be successful at for a small, meaningless gain for something at the potential risk for something bigger. In this example, this game is over. This season is over. This guy needs reps. <laughs> I mean, you you are you you are investing and you are rolling the dice a little bit that a low round draft pick is going to be an integral part of your secondary going forward. He has to play. You know, this game's over. We're not winning this game. This season's over. We're not going I, to the playoffs. I mean, you you've known me for a really long time now. I am <laughs> I am never really a play the kids guy. But you know when you play the kids? Right now. When they're objectively better than the depth. Trey Hawkins has shown in training camp and in preseason stuff that he has the stuff. It just takes reps and live game reps. I understand Dallas is a huge step up from Old Dominion's opponents in the Sun Belt Conference and whatever. But this is he was not in bad coverage, in my opinion, on Michael Gallup. And by the way, Michael Gallup isn't a slouch number three. I mean, Cowboys fans brag about him as their number three. So I'm, I'm sure Cowboys fans would agree that not being able to win a one-on-one ball with Michael Gallup is not a fireable offense or a benchable offense. I, I thought that that was kind of silly. And, you know, putting in somebody like – so when they did that, because Adoree Jackson was already out and Deontay Banks had to leave because of an ankle and Cordell Flott had to leave because of a shoulder, what they ended up doing when they did that is they had Nick McLeod on one side, awful – you had Darnay Holmes in the slot. You kick him out outside, and then you brought in Bobby McCain to play the slot. So if you want to look at the stats and the, the yardage differential, this is, this is why. This is August game. This is a game in November. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the, the big yardage that Dallas has, a lot of that's accumulated against guys that I didn't think Bobby McCain was making the team. I thought there was a chance Darnay Holmes wouldn't make the team. And Nick McLeod is primarily a special teams player. So... Yes, I do think that defensively, the first half, the part of this half, the part of this game that was actually a game, I thought they played better than they did week one, which I, I also think that they played defensively. I think they played better than they played the Raiders. They just played a better team. I thought that the effort against the Raiders was actually closer to pathetic than this week. I was, I was for the first time just overall as a team getting the sense a little bit that this team might be quitting. Okay, all right. So why don't you get into the coaching? Because I have something I want to go on that. I want to hear yeah. what you think. Go ahead. Okay. So 
this coaching staff is does continue again I, not every time i criticize a coach does that mean fire everybody and start over so let's i'm gonna, right off the bat we're not even having anywhere near that discussion however no coach no player no podcaster is immune to getting criticism and when we see something we're going to call it out and i just do not understand this coaching staff when it comes to maintaining the health of this team we've been harping on it since week one about keeping guys you know we are so thin right now at quarterback we are so thin at offensive line we are so thin in the secondary why are we continuing to put people in harm's way when games are over and you know andrew thomas goes down I don't care if he's cleared to play and he's 100%. Game's over. He is your franchise. Coming, you know, why are you risking anything with him? We are down to a quarterback that should not be in this league right now. He he hurt himself also. He had to go in for x-rays after the game. Why are you doing anything more than just simple handoffs to your fourth running back to get this game over with. Why are you, why is he running around? Why are you putting him in harm's way? Because if he goes down, what happens next week? We're just going to run uh, Saquon Barkley every single play. I just, I don't, and we, we talked at, at length about um, Daniel Jones taking hit after hit after hit and these games are long over. Their judgment about you know especially at, at, at a point where we're so fragile and we're so lack of depth it's really starting to frighten me and i really think it could be catastrophic and i just don't understand it and it, maybe you can kind of maybe sit, knock some sense into me or tell me i'm not completely crazy but i don't understand it with keeping devito in well not, not to keeping devito in but you know having him run around and it is it's a minute and a half left in the game they're trying to score. Who cares? You need to keep him upright for next week. No, Tyrod Taylor is clear for next week. Are you sure? I just read it. You just read it? Yep. Okay. I don't I don't know if they knew that then. They didn't know it yesterday. If it just was cleared, they um, didn't know that then. Well, you have to be smarter. Well, I, I, I'll say this. I, I think that um, there's probably something to that. But they also they took less sacks than they did week one. I didn't think any of the hits that Tommy DeVito was taking were overly hard. I think the hardest one he took happened super late in the game, and it was the aforementioned kick happened right after. And it was like mm-hmm. he didn't actually take a sack. He was uh, he had already released the ball. Neville Gallimore was thrown to the ground by Justin Pugh, and he kind of rolled into the back of his knees, and he fell kind of awkwardly. I thought that was the worst hit that Tommy DeVito took. Um, especially because of the, the, it wasn't the hardest hit, but he got hit in the back of the knees. Is usually just like not a great way to get hit where you can get hurt. And that happened with like a minute left in the game. That was, I might have been less. Uh, that might have been when they were inside right, the 20. That's my point. But I mean, like, what's the point of taking him off with 20 seconds left? Well, I, you, I didn't, you just, I, you just said it before. It only takes one hit. I, yeah, it only takes one hit, but at a certain point, what are you coaching? Uh, there's 20 seconds left in the game. I didn't think that he was taking crazy hits. He was sacked only five times, seven quarterback hits. I think Daniel Jones was sacked something like eight times in week one uh, and took 12 quarterback hits. So, like, they had done things. He, I, I don't think that he was taking a beating in this game. 
but I think that you can not to completely shut down your point. I think that that point could be a, applied to multiple games this year with the with the more important person of Daniel Jones. I w- I wouldn't have brought it up if this wasn't something that even again. Why is Andrew Thomas back in this game? What's the point? Yeah, I think you can. Well. You know, he's coming back. I, I know. He was injured. He was out. You know, let's let's live another day. I, I guess. But, I mean, there's some point of punting where it's just like you're having football players sit on the bench not playing football. Um, Andrew Thomas is maybe an exception only because you already dumped a five-year contract into him. Uh, I, I guess you can do that. But if it weren't— 100% now. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it was so early in the game that he went out and came back in that I don't know how it helps. It, it You end up choosing whether you're arguing what are you doing with Tommy DeVita out there or what are you doing with Andrew Thomas out there. And at a certain point, you have to just put – somebody has to play fucking football, all right? I so, it. so I, I mean, with, with I, a minute and a half left. We're not talking about we have a quarter and a half to go. Yeah, but I don't. Like, I don't think with a minute and a half left, anyone was really taking any any crazy shots or anything like that. Like by that point, Dallas had pulled all of their starters. When was the kick? That that, was, that happened with like twenty seconds left. Uh, no, it happened in twenty seconds. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, no. I, I, you you would want to bench Tommy DeVito against Dallas's backups. That's what you're saying. I'm saying because. Nine times out of ten, no. But the fact that I'm looking in the abyss behind Tommy DeVito and that one shot at him trying to extend for an extra yard to get a first down or to try to score results in him getting hurt and he's out next week and I don't know the status of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I guess, but first of all, first of all, first of all, Cranky, who are you putting in? I would do I don't, dreaded. Put no. My backup, I put nope. a backup running back and run the game nope. up. We're talking nope. a minute and a half, two minutes left. No way. No way. Why? Why? That is worse than running the sneak with Jake Fromm. Why? That is, what do you mean, why? Talk why? about giving up. That's the you coach's. That's, that's we the. gave up. Nope. Over. I, I, nope. I do. Me, 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 me. Coach never quits. Coaches don't tank. Front offices don't tank. You're not protecting anyone when they don't play football well, at all. No. Very fucking stupid. You really that that's short sighted and really stupid. That's weird because no one got hurt. Oh, well they didn't. I mean it, there was a chance it could have happened and needlessly. There's a chance that people can get hurt needlessly on Especially every a guy play. That he's not an NFL player. He's not an NFL he's not an NFL conditioned player. He shouldn't even be on the field. What I don't understand what the point is though. Like what what is your point? You're gonna my, take you are gonna take him off and you're gonna put Saquon Barkley back no, there. No, I didn't that's not what I said. I said you just put your back up, you put Matt Breda in just to kneel it. You don't deserve to be an NFL that's coach. It, that's it. The game's over. No. Like a minute and a half left, two minutes left. What at what point where is your threshold? When are you benching people? Two minutes? That's your, the two minute warning, you're benching people? Because then you're saying I'm benching against Dallas's backups. Yes. Silly. The, the same backups that were personal fouling and being dicks. Just kneel. Why put in a backup quarterback? Or why put in a backup? Then that's fine. Then just do that. I don't care about. I don't care about the perception that you quit. You did quit. Guess that's what? Fine. Guess okay. what? Guess what? You just got fired as a head coach because I guarantee you, John Mara fires Brian Dable if he does that. Well, that's that is it. And that's why this organization has been so shitty for the last decade for stupid emotional decisions like that. That's not rational. I'm firing a coach because in a, a minute left in a game, I'm down by 40 points when I'm down on my third-string quarterback. I'm giving up. That's so stupid. 
man, beyond stupid. I don't know, so man. Excited. I think you were you are putting way too much weight on a arguable position. I don't think that you're dead wrong. I just think that it's a position you could argue, but you're putting all your chips on it and tipping the scale. I don't think it's that clear. I think when you do that, that is such bitch, pussy, give up mentality. No, no, listen. This is not 1953. We're not doing seven a days in preseason. You are so afraid. Yes. That, that you got fired. You got fired. Because Joe Judge got fired for that reason. And I thought that was a stupid reason to fire him. I so then, so the Joe Judge should still be here? Not, not, I'm not saying he should still, should still be here, but I think that was a stupid reason to get on his ass and to fire him. There are, there's a hundred other reasons why Joe Judge should have been fired. That was not one. I defended it at the moment as we walked out of the stadium. I defended it on the show. I'll defend it right now. That was a stupid reason to fire him if that's why they fired him. I don't know, man. I think that uh, at a certain point, you have to stop being so protective of players. This is not Daniel Jones you're protecting. You're protecting a guy that does not matter to this organization. I'm also protecting... That's not why I'm protecting him. I know that's not why you are. You're protecting him for next week, which also doesn't matter or something because the whole season's over. So what what are you... Who are you protecting from injury right now? Because it could get far worse without having... If you in what way? Hang on, hang on. In what way could it get worse? You mean the results of games? Because I don't care. I don't care about results. So then, how could it get worse? How could it get worse? Somebody out there who's not prepared at all, who could probably get killed against an offensive line that's really bad. At least Tommy DeVito, he's not an NFL quarterback, but at least he sort of knows the offense. At least you're, if you're bringing in Matt, again, we didn't, remember, I don't remember. I didn't know that Tyrod Taylor is clear to play next week. But if you have to bring Matt Barkley in. What are we doing? I think you could make an argument that Matt Barkley might run it better than Tommy DeVito. Wonderful. I don't understand. You have a veteran quarterback that actually throws the ball often and knows how to... Often? How often has he been throwing the ball in the last X amount of weeks? I can tell you that in his career he's thrown more NFL passes than Tommy DeVito has. Does that count for something? Something, but... Mike. you're, You're talking... It's silly. The, the, you, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even saying that you're dead wrong. But you are. You are three feet underground right now, digging a hole on an arguable position. That's not. I, I just don't see why you're so dead set on it. You're, I, I, I don't understand why you're so like they're firing him if they do it. I mean, that's that reaction to it seems crazier to me than why I'm trying. to Because be- I don't believe that you would protect him at two minutes. I actually think you would have pulled him before the fourth quarter started. I know. Honestly, that's why. I, I, that's why I'm saying it. I know you well enough to know that what you said is not what you meant. You would have pulled him way before that, and that is a fireable offense. You're not even playing football anymore. You are. We are not playing football. Cranky, right now. you can't play like that. You're an NFL head coach. This isn't anything else. Your job is to put a product on the field. You pull the quarterback and put a running back in there with a whole quarter of football to play. You're fired. That's just how it's going to go. You're not putting a backup in there that kind of maybe knows the offense. You're not putting Matt Barkley in there. You are making the decision to not even put Saquon Barkley back there with the ball. You're putting Matt Breda back there. You're fired. I'm, I don't know what you're, to tell you. You are potentially you, – you are trying to save your third-string quarterback because you are down that far down the pole. You're, you're looking at – again, at the abyss. I don't <clears> know who comes in next week. You just have to get this game over with. I mean, everybody knows when a game is over. 
and it's okay. It. No, I'm with you. I'm with you because I knew this game was over. That's why I wasn't super emotional or upset or I didn't. I didn't. I so here, here's where I'm getting at with this. Uh, that's fine. You said your piece. I've said my piece. Yeah. We're, we're gonna argue ourselves into the ground here, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Here's what I did say though, because I opened Twitter this morning, curious on what the what I could gather as being the public opinion. I understand Twitter is Twitter and not the public, but it's the closest right. thing I can get in one second to the public opinion. Uh, and I was very shocked at how people were, like, surprised that the game was as bad as it was, which just doesn't – it, it, it doesn't compute to me. That's like – Not in the least to me either. That's – I mean, what – what – again, I think that guy's going back to the – they've humanized Tommy DeVito. Which, and by the way, story. Let, me, let me tell you something. This game, by the way, the Giants and Giants fans have far less to be embarrassed about than Jaguars fans. That's a legitimate playoff team that got stomped by San Francisco. We're Jet fans. We played even better than the Jaguars against San Francisco. Remember that. So as you Giants fans are fucking losing your minds over this game that was over before it started, just remember that other teams actually had a worse Sunday than you did. Statistically. Um, So, you know, I was surprised at what Twitter was saying. So, you know what? I was just like, I'm not even going to bother reading all this shit. You guys are going bananas over nothing. Like... I was really interested to rewatch this game to see if I noticed any quit in this game. So I'm curious on what your thoughts are before we get into it. Did Was there, on the player level, the personnel level, did you notice a particular moment or a play or a player that just looked like they gave up? I kind of felt... I two things makes me think that, you know, it's either quitting or their just mind isn't in this anymore. The first thing is to me... This offensive line was so bad, so bad. I understand that nobody expects Tommy DeVito to throw. We could not do anything, anything running the ball. How many, how many yards of offense do we have in the first half? 25, 30? That to me, I know how good Dallas's offensive line is. I know the struggles with our, their defensive line. I know how the struggles we've had on our offensive line. But at some point, you have to have effort, too. And I just felt like there wasn't any effort or just a, we're going to go through the motions on this. That, to me, was a, I have a feeling we're starting to lose this team a little bit. Like, we're losing focus. We can go through each one, but you want to talk about that or do um, you think I'm crazy? No, I don't. I don't um, I, I don't agree with you, but I don't think you're crazy. I, I think that this is a, this is a bad offensive line, but I, I thought... I don't know. This, to me, looked like a bad offensive line playing a really good defense. In general, defense. Because it's not defensive line. It's yeah. it's Dan Quinn, man. I mean, look at this. I honestly think that Dan Quinn is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, I've thought it for a long time now. I do think that he should be a head coach. Um, and they've kind of let him go out and get the guys that he wants, too. So he's like he's like sort of a co-head coach of this team. Um, in, in some regards. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't. There's, there's I don't bad, and there's just. No, I'm not. So, but but what I'm gonna say is, I thought that, and this is this is me. I didn't see any particular movements or a particular play or a player that I felt was doing something that's like, well, he's not trying. You know what I mean? Like it, that. First of all, that's a difficult thing to tell on a on a offensive line, defensive line standpoint, anyway, because it's so immediately engaged. 
it's really easy to see when guys don't try to tackle very hard or don't lay out for a ball or something like that, right? Like, I'm not saying that, like, effort is just hard. I just think it's difficult to tell effort on the offense. Like, in the trenches, it's just hard. Um, so I didn't notice anything that jumped out at me as, uh, you know, a lack of effort or trying. But what I will say is that we – it's clear to me that Dan Quinn was like they're not throwing the ball beyond five yards. So yeah. everybody crowd the line of scrimmage. Don't let anyone get behind you, you two safeties. And everybody just crash on the run. And I really think that that's – Dan Duggan had a really, really good tweet. I feel like I always talk about Dan Duggan on the show. It's yeah. annoying. But he had a really good tweet where he said that for years it was hard to judge the quarterback play because of how bad the offensive line was. And I think that today the opposite is true. The quarterback play is so bad that it's really difficult to ju- to judge the offensive line because they're just ready for the run. It's kind of like when we go to training camp and we're like, yeah, the run defense was really good today. It's like, well, they knew that they were running the ball though. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think that it was really hard for me to tell that there was any quit on the offense. Uh, to me, when I looked at this game, I didn't see a particular moment – or play where I was like, man, they are not trying. I will say that there was the Dak Prescott touchdown where he ran in on the scramble mm-hmm. and, and Deontay Banks got hurt. I'll say that I do think if McKinney were running full speed, he could have tackled him at like the two or the one. That was my other one I have here. Yeah, I was good. And, and, but I will say that was the only play I noticed with McKinney where I was like, hey, he could have tried a little bit harder. That was it. I mean, and part of it to me, and it's not because this team's just a bunch of quitters and not because they're a bunch of malcontents. Listen, we're all human beings. I mean, did I give maximum effort and enthusiasm for watching this game? No. You know, and I, mean, I just imagine how much difficult these guys are professionals. This is their life. But it's human. It's human nature that. You, you know, when things are really, really bad, you're going to probably not give 100%. So, again, the thing I want to start looking at is who are these guys that is just – is it a victim of circumstance or are these guys that, you know, do I really want this guy on my team next year? Well, here's what's interesting about quitting. Um, there are very few players on this Giants roster that can even adapt the quitter mentality. So let me, let me preface that, right? Um, here's the people that – are able to quit on the Giants. Their names are Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence. Oh, because they have job security. Yeah, they're the only ones with job security. Everybody else is playing, not for this team, for a contract. Yeah, and, and let me let me preface one thing, too, that I said. that There's a difference. We just wanted a whole five-minute brawl about quitting a game and ending a game before. That is not quitting. It's the same quitting as not giving a hundred percent when you're playing, when you are playing, you should in theory, give a 110% every single play. You can make the argument, which Grump is doing that when you coach, you coach hundred percent for every play too. We'll debate that. But I, this is, if you're out there and you're lined up against this guy and it's a division rival, you'd want to take this fucking guy's head off. And I just, I just didn't get that sense. I think that, you know, and maybe that's just because, well, the, the season's well, out of hand. The game is out of hand. Well, know. let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Uh, sure. I, I, I think that you're right. So, mm-hmm. um, but my thing is, uh, so I agree with you. I didn't, I didn't notice the killer instinct on either side of the ball. But my mm-hmm. question to you is, what 
personality that's on the roster has a killer instinct. Who was someone that you would have said leading into this season was that guy? I mean, you hope that it's Kayvon Thibodeau. You think it might be Dexter Lawrence, though he's not He's not like a, a vocal I, guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think yeah. there is one. I don't think there's one on either side of the ball. If anyone, I think the closest you can get with this current roster is Barkley on offense, probably. Maybe. Even he is, yeah. and Dexter Lawrence on defense. I think those are the two guys. That's I mean, it. That's a, that's a combination, I think, of you know personalities. And this team is still very young. I mean, seems very grizzled, young. Who is the grizzled veteran on the defensive side? Jod Ward. That I mean, that's the answer. You don't yeah. well, you don't want to hear it, but that's true. He's yeah, but, he's the one who's been around. He does have that dog mentality, but he's talent wise is an edge three. On this roster, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, you could be you could be a vocal leader all you want, but if you are, you know, you're not you're not making it happen on the field. Your voice is going to be limited, and in, in the effectiveness of it, and the you know the the vocalness of it. So, I mean, and who is it on? I think that is there anyone on offense that you think could develop? Because I kind of feel like Jalen Hyatt has the personality from what I've seen that he could develop that like that sort of thing. Do you do you get that sense? I think so. I mean, the guy came in very, you know, not cocky, but like route trees. I'll learn them. Don't worry. I'll be there. I'll be fine. You know, um, I think a lot of people are not going to like this answer, but I think the the leader of this team is probably playing quarterback in college right now for somebody. Interesting. You're probably not wrong. Uh, I, yeah, I would say you're probably not wrong. So I know this is sort of a weird question given that this is a uh, a review thing, but <laughs> being, being that we're talking about next year and, and developing mm-hmm. that, because that, I do think that that's something sorely lacking from this team in general is just somebody with a big dick. I, I don't know how else to say it, but just someone with an alpha personality that like they are just, they're like if Brian Dable's here, they're right underneath him. Like they're, they're going to go up a, to the- They're a Brian Cox type of guy or, you know- Someone like that. They don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no, there's no Antonio Pierce on this team. There's no one that will stand up in front of the mic on offense or defense and really. And Xavier McKinney is probably the closest that we have on both sides of the ball. I um, think he just lost his currency for doing. Well, that. sure, and I, I think that 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 got lost probably near the beginning of the season. But I, I think mm-hmm. that there was still hope for him probably at the beginning of the season to to resign here and be that guy. But. That is something, in general, this team all over the place is missing that. They don't have that. And I think that's, it's a weird intangible, but I think that's, and, and this is this is really thinking ahead to a couple of years from now, but that's usually the difference between a, a team that wins in the wild card and loses the divisional versus the team that scratches out a three-point victory in the divisional and goes on to the conference championship, right? We, we, played, we played a wild card game against a team we were better than when you get into the when you get to that second round you're probably playing a team that's probably on a bye who is way better than you and we look like a scared bunch going into the link last january yeah exactly here's the other problem too with this it's that when you're thinking about a rebuild that guy that dog that alpha you don't draft that alpha that's usually like a piece you kind of bring in to put everything together you, you know, so? usually an older guy, you know, probably, you know, a second contract or something. Um, 
I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, there's exceptions, and sometimes you just happen to, you know, you bring in super alpha quarterback or super alpha defensive lineman. But the guy that comes in and puts everything together usually comes in, and it's usually not one of the first things you're thinking when you are building in the rebuild. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, but I do think that it's also one of those things that, like, it's just a, it's a plus quality. Like, sure. when I'm doing just draft analysis, like, oh, I don't care that this is a thing, but I'm not going to say no to like it when it comes to my locker room. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So my I question Kayvon, to you is... I think Kayvon could be that guy. I, I agree. I think Kayvon could be that guy. Um, he has to, in my opinion, stop begging for holding calls. I get it. You get held a lot. It's been two straight years of this shit, though. At a certain point, you know who gets holding calls? The people who fight through them and they get the sack anyway. The more that you're the lighter guy that gets picked up and dragged out of the screen, you can bitch and moan all you want. You'll get 25% of the ones that you ask for. Kayvon Thibodeau is a star in his mind. Kayvon Thibodeau is a star in Giants fans' mind. Kayvon Thibodeau might be a star in New York media's mind. Kayvon Thibodeau is not a star in the NFL. He is not a star. He's not get star treatment with officials yet. He has to earn that. He has to earn that by being in this league more, you know, paying his dues and being better. Not that he's bad, but he's, he's not, not bad. Gonna... I'm not. Uh, yeah, I agree right, with you. But he's not at that where you're going to get benefits of the doubt and you're going to get the call. You're not going to get star treatment calls. He's not that yet. And remember, it's only his second year. And you're right. It's you don't want to get a reputation of the opposite of a whiner. When, you know, True. Boyer cries wolf. You know, no one's going to pay attention when you actually, you know, when, when things really happen. I, I mean, I wasn't thinking that way, but you're right. Yeah. Um, but my question to you is, you know, given that, let, let's just pretend that Caleb Williams is a draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. Is the collateral damage, I guess that's a weird way of saying it, but like an in, in unintended benefit of franchising Saquon a second time is giving that one-year buffer for the quarterback to just learn and not have to be the alpha. Sure. Like, do you, you think so, right? Absolutely. Do you think Saquon gets franchised again? You think Saquon wants to be here anymore after this year? Do Let's you, turn it around. Let's I turn mean, it around. Well, I mean, probably not. Um, well, you know what? I don't know. That's actually interesting because right now, you assume that Daniel Jones is the quarterback next year. Do you think Saquon Barkley would rather be with a Caleb Williams? Do you think he'd be happier with that? Do you think he wants to be on a team with a quarterback and they're in effect starting over if they decide? Let's, I mean, there is a we're we're kind of assuming that yeah, Daniel Jones will come back and start next year and they'll ease Caleb Williams in. But you know something, they may just decide I'm just we're just going with Caleb Williams and we're just going to have Daniel Jones ride the bench. Do you think Saquon Barkley wants to go through, you know? And at least in the short term, back to basics again. His clock is running out. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think he wants to, but I, uh, no, I mean, I don't think so. But there's other things involved. It's still New York. I don't think he wants to go to Cincinnati and lose in the first round of the playoffs either. Yeah, but I also think that, well, I don't know. I mean, the the prospect, would you rather play with Cincinnati and and Joe Burrow and and the the team that roster or the Giants if they're starting over with a quarterback next year. I don't know because I don't know I don't know how much he makes in sponsorships. I don't know what the percentages of those changing when you move to X city. You and, know what and, I mean like and what is that what is that mix in his brain of well, Saquon Barkley the brand versus Saquon Barkley the winner. I, don't know. Look, I I have to say this. 
I think that the you and I's of the world that make scratch for a living assume that these people always make money decisions. And because it's what we would do and because we don't have money and these numbers are astronomical to us. But these are essentially – I hate to say it this way because it sounds condescending. I'm not trying to be. But they're essentially children. A lot of these guys are very young human beings. You're absolutely right. That are athletes first and they have been athletes first their entire existence. Mm -hmm. They're competitors Yep. So like, yes, on on paper, you and I, we discuss this and it's like, yeah, I'd rather play with Joe Burrow and win games and go to the Super Bowl and probably make more money on the open market and whatever. But it's just like there's some level of like guys where it's just like I was almost there. We were almost there. I want to I win. I want to win here. I want to win in New York. I, I don't know. The answer is I don't know because I'm not that guy. I was never that guy and I, I can't be that guy. All I'm just bringing that up because I think it's something that nobody's thinking about. It's like the everybody's so like – Oh, we will franchise them. We'll sign to a long-term deal. It's like, well, you know, if Saquon Barkley's a free agent, does he still? Because re- the situation has changed. You know, nine months ago, we were coming off a first-round win in the playoffs. Daniel Jones is about to get paid. He's going to be the quarterback. We're feeling relatively good about him. You know, you know, Evan Neal's going to get better. You know, you know, we, we all this stuff that was trending in a much different situation than we are in now. Now different world we're living in and you know he's not a spring chicken anymore well you're 100 percent right but what can he do about being franchised all he can do is hold out and it's never worked well historically so i don't know why he would i mean i think if if we have as much respect for saquon barkley as we claim we do and saquon barkley lets it be known i don't want to be here anymore i'd like to be somewhere else i would think something would be worked out with either a sign and trade or something Right, I mean, he's not Joe Schmuck. Who True, but it's about. but it seems clear that Joe Shane didn't want to trade him this year, and he could have got something for him. So if he could have got something for him and didn't make the move, there's no chance. I don't give a shit. And I'm putting myself in Joe Shane's shoes at this point because we are where we are. We're past the trade deadline. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to get rid of him and get anything. Fuck you. I'm 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 sorry. You're franchised again. There's nothing you can do about it. You can hold out if you want, but it won't end well for you. History right. says so. So, I mean, now, this, that's this, that's me at, at this point now. It just is what it is. I'm sorry. You're franchised again. Here's, con- here's conspiracy crank talking a little bit. Joe Shane has lost a lot of capital with the media and the fans this year. His fault? Most likely not. Some things maybe, but most likely not. He is never winning a PR war if they just say, fuck you, I'm trading Saquon, like it or not. I think that I think that he knows trading if, or if, franchising. Franchising. If, if if Saquon wants doesn't want to be here anymore, and Joe Shane's like basically fuck you, he's gonna lose. Or even if they were gonna just trade him, whether he didn't want to be traded, and they just traded him, he would have lost that PR battle even further. I think. I think that he would have. There's enough respect both ways, back and forth. And I think that Saquon has built enough coin that if he decided he wanted to go, everybody would make it. It wouldn't be one of those, no, we're franchising you, you're stuck here. I think they would make it happen. Maybe. I don't know. They were. If it weren't for the fact that he was unwilling to trade him at all, it's not the fact that he wasn't traded. It's the fact that he was unwilling to trade him. And that was like a week ago. 
That was but not that was, ancient history. But that might have been that might have been a you know. It's pre ACL tear. That's fine. Right. And it also, might have been a decision that they both came up with together. Like, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trading him, and that might have been. Well, we decided that. That's also he true. Wants, he wants to stay. I want you to stay. I'm not trading him. We we're like this, but you know, situations change pretty pretty rapidly. That's fair. That's a fair point. Um, one, th- I don't know if it's a final point. I, two two points I want to make. Number one. Uh, first action with the Giants that I can remember uh, in real regular season reps. Jay Sean Corbin, better or worse than Eric Gray? That's pretty much tuned out by the fourth quarter. <laughs> the answer is better. He actually caught all three of the passes thrown his way. He ran with purpose. I, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not this a Jay Shorebun. I'm not, I'm not a Corbin fan. It's the fact that in one game, it's very clear that they made a huge roster mistake. Huge. And and I don't know whose fault that is. I, I don't know if it's Joe Shane, like, look, I took this guy. Don't let him go. Or if it's Brian and, and giving direction to Brian Dable not to put him on the practice squad. Or I, I guess it's the GM. He's in charge. He's not putting him on the practice squad because he's afraid someone else is going to get him. Either way, they screwed up. This is a huge mistake. It's pretty clear. Here's the other thing, and it has to do with Eric Gray a little bit. Was this not the best special teams game the Giants have had all year? <laughs> Pretty much. I don't recall. I, I could be wrong. I did just rewatch the game, though. I don't think they they didn't make any mistakes, right? No, no, no glaring mistakes. Huh? So interesting, interesting I, stuff. Um, the, the Eric Gray situation for the roster it was a definitely a roster screw up. But to me, you know, small piece. I, I still think this team was just really slow to react as soon as Daniel Jones went down the first time. To have an adequate backup to um, Tyrod Taylor, I really do. And you're I, you're that, right. That is the biggest because you know we are talking half a season now is completely voided at this point, and that's going to impact things like seeing development of other parts of the team too. And I, you know, you, okay, we may not be making the playoffs, but you want to be competitive. You want to, you know show continued growth in the coaching staff, the players, and everything. And as soon as Daniel Jones had the thing with the neck, they should have been on the phone with somebody immediately trying to get a third quarterback in here hmm. and not rely on – if you want to keep uh, Tommy DeVito as a, a developmental prospect, fine. That's fine. But I No one's going to poach him off the practice squad. Exactly, exactly. But you can't be in a situation where you have somebody – like that to me is – that's going to be glaring mistake number one for this, you know, front office and and, and coaching staff, and uh, it's going to lead to potentially wasting half a season. I, I I agree with that. I think in general this coaching staff is slow to change the plan. Um, I think that's like one thing I can say about this regime, and I think it's most obvious on a game to game basis with adjusting the offense. We saw they came out of halftime and they all of a sudden knew how to run the ball. Did you notice that? In the third quarter, our first drive, we scored a touchdown. It was like, oh, this is all we needed to do was this. And I feel came like it's... Arizona, it came out of the Arizona game all of a sudden. Oh, now we yeah. have an offense? It always feels like it takes getting to the locker room to be like, oh, yeah, let's just do this. Like, it, it's very frustrating. Um, do you so, see in your crystal ball next year, if Kafka goes to, takes a college job that Northwestern. Gable, what's that? It goes to Northwestern. Yeah, let's so just say he goes to Northwestern or, you know... Who knows? Maybe an NFL job or something. Do you see Table taking more of a hands-on approach to the offense, where he either calls plays himself or, you know, 
is very, very, very hands-on with the quarterback that we draft, or do you think he outsources offense coordinator to somebody else? You know, I don't know, because it's pretty clear he had more of an impact on what was going on with the offense, starting with the Buffalo game and moving forward, and that's when we started to see an improvement. Uh, They very nearly won every single game that they lost in that stretch, with the exception Mm -hmm. of this one. Um, And then they did win a game. Uh, but at the same time, there have been there's been some pretty bad coaching failures this year, that I think I, whether or not it starts at the top, you got to take the blame at the top. And I, I think that Brian Dable is a pretty honest, normal dude that puts more on himself than he puts on other people. I mean, it's just sort of the mm-hmm. vibe that I get looking at I him. I, I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know him very well. I I met him once. I shook his hand. Um, <laughs> you didn't get that vibe. Out no, of I, I, yeah, I mean, he was a nice guy. He he he, he could have just told me to go fuck myself and kept walking past me. He could have. <laughs> I mean, right? The Urban Meyer told me to do once. <laughs> I somehow I'm not shocked. Did you have a blunt in your hand to offer him? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I. So on the one hand, I think yes because I think that he's very comfortable with offense. I think he knows what he's doing and he has the results to back it up. He got involved and all of a sudden they started performing better. But on the other side, there were so many other coaching mishaps. I think he's hard on himself that I think that he's more worried about correcting his own mistakes than worrying about, you know, the offensive coordinator that's not here next year. If they get a new guy, I think he might be more involved in getting someone with more experience rather than kind of getting the bright, young, innovative mind. You know, I don't know. It's possible. I think it. I think it all depends on which quarterback falls to them in draft. I think it depends on which offensive coordinator comes here. If Mike Kafka goes to Northwestern, my. I think the more interesting question is: Do the Giants just part ways with Mike Kafka? I mean, has he done anything quantifiable that you can say is Mike Kafka results? That's like we need this guy. We can't let another team get him. I don't know that we'll ever see that. But from your perspective, do you see anything? Well, let's put it this way. Not so much that like he's taken something and made it great. It's just like, have you taken something that is absolutely atrocious and make anything out of it? Make any sort of chicken salad a chicken shit? And that answer is no. So maybe I, not. Yeah, I'm not maybe. really sure what the competitive advantage is to having him. Yeah, yeah. Um, last question before we go. And this has honestly been, I think, my favorite episode we've ever done on the show. Nice. <laughs> very, very seriously. Um you have now seen enough of Tommy DeVito in game situation that you probably see a quarterback when you go to senior bowl. Do you see in this sample size, and a lot of it's out of his control, enough of the basics that you would want to put him on a plan that he could be the backup here in a year or two? Or is it? have you seen lineup like, no, 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 this, this guy isn't it? Yeah, I've seen some things. I mean, so the hardest things to to parse out with quarterbacks, in my opinion, and I will be the first to tell you that of all the position groups to watch, I'm the worst at quarterbacks. It's I think it's the hardest. That's all. Um, there's a lot to look at, but the one thing that always seems to be, um, a quality or a trait that most guys don't have that the best guys do have is a a a quick decision. And like, just, and just not being afraid. And I don't think that he's an afraid guy. Like, I think that he has the kind. Like, he threw a bomb to Hyatt. He shouldn't have thrown, but he he was willing to do it. And I don't think that they really 
wanted him to throw it. If he, if he when he walked to the sideline, yeah, Brian, uncle, yeah, I, I believe I believe Brian Dable laid into him. But I think you know it was one of those things that was right after the Gallup touchdown where. Dak just kind of laid a 35-yard one out there. It was one-on-one coverage. He wasn't even really open. He just threw it anyway, and it worked. And I think that Tommy DeVito was like, I can fucking throw the ball too. Watch this. And I think that that's usually the quality that's missing. Most of these guys are gun-shy. They're scared to make a mistake, whatever. Like the guys who hang it all out there, that's usually the most invisible quality. So the fact that he's got that is one thing. I a lot of the shit that looks bad for him is the pocket movement is horrendous. His eyes go straight down as soon as there's pressure, and he doesn't navigate the pocket well at all. And honestly, of the five sacks that he took in this game and seven QB hits, if he were better at that, could have been something like three sacks and maybe four quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot to work on, but that quality alone, that gunslinger mentality, the not afraid to sling it, kind of thing and like the easy like he's sh- just not afraid to run the offense. yeah and, and and a short memory too like he's they're not afraid to go back out there and do more stuff right do you see him, that yeah they're giving him next to nothing to work with from the playbook right and, yeah but he's not afraid to run what is given to him i mean we've had we've had backups here before where they just you know Ryan Paraloo. Ryan Paraloo and Rhett Bomar are two that I remember very distinctly. Who, who, was, who was the guy from Syracuse that we had? That backup. Ryan Nassib. That was a draft pick. Right. That was Nassib bad. Was, he was just the master of like... Gunshy. Okay, I'm, drop, I'm dropping back for half a second. Oh, I'm running. Yep. That, I'm running to right. Every and, single... It's like, why is he here? I think... I think there is a potential that he could be the backup. And I think he's the kind of guy you want. Because my biggest criticism of... Um, Tyrod Taylor has been he's looking for another job and he's trying to impress and he's trying to over overshoot what his role on this team is. I don't think you'd ever have that with Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito has no false hopes of being a starter in this league or being an all pro or being whatever. And I think that he's a guy that, um, you know, a guy that knows his role, will will study, will know the, the, the playbook inside and out will not make mistakes, you know, mental mistakes. Again, he's been thrown into an, as they said 37 times on Fox yesterday, he's been thrown into a possible position. This is not his fault. We all get that. But I I think there's something there that, you know, I'd be willing to put him in the, uh, the oven and let him, you know, bake for a little bit and see what happens. Yeah, like I said, there's traits. There's there's qualities there that you can develop. I'm not saying he will be or whatever, but, you know, you can... Between what you saw from Ryan Nassib some years ago behind Eli Manning and what you saw with Tommy DeVito, there's a big difference, right? Like, Ryan Nassib was very afraid to throw the ball. Rhett Barmar was terrified to throw the ball. I don't think Tommy DeVito was scared to do anything. I think he's no. just clearly inexperienced. And that's right, if you, and you put, you put them in a lineup, you'd be like, oh, I'm taking Ryan Nassib all day but right yeah and he's a he's a rookie that never thought he'd be on an nfl field this year he probably didn't even think on draft day or day three of the draft he'd even be drafted no so you know he's doing the best he can and i think that's the moral to to close this loop you know people that are so shocked and outraged or sorry people that are shocked at what happened don't be shocked anymore this this is our team this year and Try to parse out things that you can kind of like latch on to. I mean, this is going to be a rough. Don't have any delusions. Oh, we're playing Washington. That should be it. 
Nothing is a cakewalk, dude. They're better than us. Better. <laughs> More wins. I will say this. I will say this. The worst game on Sunday was not the Giants game or the Jaguars game. It was New England and Indianapolis, bro. That oh, game was horrendous. Those are two bad teams playing bad. I was going to say, the, the Jet game was pretty weak also. Jet game was pretty weak too. They they lost to Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell on the Raiders as well. Um, but but that New England game, New England didn't score a touchdown. New England might very well be worse than us. I'm not totally sure. All I know is, okay, for the one guy who doesn't like the fact I whine, I will be 6 in the morning flying from Gainesville to see a blowout for Giants-Patriots. And Grump, I might be rooting for the Patriots in this game. It's interesting. I am seeing that divide on Twitter. Um, I I don't know how you guys do that. When 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 kickoff happens, as soon as the game clock is actually active, I cannot root against my team. I just can't. It's too uh, here, hard. Here, here's how I do it. And it's not something I just decide, oh, you know, I have to condition myself. I really, really do. And I just, I've conditioned myself that this is a multi, I am a fan for this team for life. And a short-term win is not as important to me as getting out of this mess that we're in. And I just tell myself that over and over. I've been beaten down so bad over the last decade. You know, this year, obviously, you know, and I just, I just have to look at it as if I beat New England, okay, those three hours will be more enjoyable, but what happens next, you know, September potentially? I just, I have to look at the bigger picture of things and that gets me through. It doesn't mean I don't like the Giants. It doesn't mean I'm a real fan. It means I'm a bigger fan. I'm sacrificing, you know, a short-term jolly for long-term success. That's how I get through it. That is uh, enviable. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave on this. We're gonna say our goodbyes. Just remember, and I, this is not necessarily the Patriots game. This is just any game this year. It is very early to think we all know things about draft picks. Do not forget the Giants won the dreaded Chase Young Bowl, and I think that they won that game and they won that draft by picking fourth. They took Andrew Thomas instead of Chase Young at two. And Washington eventually traded away Chase Young before giving him a second contract. So just something to keep in mind. I, I know this is different. It's not the same thing. They're different positions. We're talking about getting the best quarterback and not just anybody. But just keep in mind, it is very early to think that we know everything there is to know about draft picks. And, and one last thing to caveat on that, too. Most of you probably are just starting to watch college quarterbacks now. You probably didn't think three weeks ago we'd need a college, to, to draft a quarterback. So – just because you see, you know, um, USC loses or, you know, Michael uh, Pennick doesn't look good against Oregon that, oh, they suck or they're overrated. My best advice, don't worry about now. Wait till Grump starts doing his analysis. He's going to the Senior Bowl. The boy has no life. All he does is he watches film in the offseason. He'll, you know, between him and the just and the Talking Giants boys – you will be prepared on who make a, a, an informed decision of who you think we should have. So don't get that initial thought in your head and stick with that through the rest of the, the off season. So this is, this, this is a very shitty time to be a giant fan. It's a shittier time to be me. I ended up this weekend giving up 103 points in 1,512 yards over two games. So if you think your lives are bad, mine's doubly worse. So 
We'll see at the tailgate in uh, two weeks, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, the Giants have a game against Washington um, next week at 1 o'clock in Washington. We will not see you there since we will not be at that game. But we will see you guys Friday morning for a preview of that game right here on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. And it's a long way until the draft. So if you have given mm-hmm. up on the Giants this year and you're ready for the draft, take your time. There's still plenty of time for things to parse out, players can get hurt, players cannot declare for the draft. There's a lot that can happen. So take your time, watch Just Giants on YouTube, and we will see you all next time. Until then, go Giants! Go Giants.